Um, today we've got a message. It's called Matthew's Good News. Uh, this is a sermon that's standalone. Uh, we're going to be looking for the next uh, several weeks through different books of the Bible. And in Matthew, I really take it to that Matthew, uh, the disciple of Jesus, spread good news. And that's actually what the gospel means. So if the heading of your Bible, if you look through there and it says the gospel according to Matthew, it means the good news according to Matthew. And he spread good news, and so should you. So once you look at your neighbor and say, spread good news. Amen. Because the underlying theme here is learning to spread positivity in a negative world. And we live in a negative world. Amen. That the world around us and uh, all that's going on uh, is so negative in nature. And the world needs a few positive uh, things to set the opposite side just like a battery. You can't have a battery that's got two negative posts, right, Greg? You'd never have a car or audio system. You'd never be able to install speakers or anything if it had two negatives. You've got to have a positive somewhere. And everything needs a positive if there is a negative. And if there is a devil, then we need a God, amen, that's the positive that can change our circumstances. But we're going to look today in the Bible in Matthew chapter 9 for our text, uh, looking at this uh, glimpse into... Matthew's gospel about the good news of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9 verse 1 it says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. If you have your Bibles and an ink pen, underline that. Be of good cheer. And just for the giggles of it, won't you look at your neighbor and say, be of good cheer. Now say it with a smile. Smile real big and look at him and say, be of good cheer. So Jesus said, your sins be forgiven. He's talking to this sick guy laying on a bed that his friends had brought him to see Jesus. And when he came to Jesus, he was sick. But when he left Jesus, he was well. And verse 3, it says, behold, a certain other scribe said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. So even though a positive thing happened here in this circumstance where Jesus healed this guy that was sick and afflicted of the enemy, and Jesus brought positivity into that situation, there were those around him, the scribes, and they said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And just last night, uh, Leslie, like at eight something, and she said, uh, let's go to Taco Bell. Isn't that what everybody wants to do like at 8 o'clock at night? Just get up and go to Taco Bell. Uh, so whenever your wife wants to do that, that's just what you do. You take off and you get up and you go to Taco Bell. So we traveled up the road and uh, we was heading to Taco Bell and going to eat. And, and whenever we got there, we was eating. I was pulled in the parking lot behind it there and had my window rolled down. And she was afraid of the neighbors. Too many of them people running around there and a bunch of kids in cars sitting there with their uh, big trucks and little hot rod cars and everything sitting around. And I said, there's 50 of them out there. We're, we're, it's okay to have a window down. I just, it's that kind of weather, you know. And sitting there, and I thought of something, and I was wanting to say it, but about that time I was eating, and I was thinking I was going to say it, and then I, I never did say it, though. And then later on, I was like, well, did I say that or not? It, it, it's like it overcome me, you know. Did I, did I mention that or did I not? I, now I don't even remember what it was. But inside of my head, I said something I wanted to say, but I had a big chew of chalupa in that prevented me from talking because we was taught good manners, right? So... Uh, in that, you can say things within yourself sometimes that you think nobody else hears. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
in my head I'm thinking thoughts and thinking these things, and I, I think nobody around understands or hears what I'm talking about. And Leslie asked this morning what it was. I say I don't know. I, I just in my head I was saying something and telling her something, but I didn't. But then verse 4, and Jesus knowing their thoughts. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus is there, puts positivity into the situation. These people inside of their mind, these scribes, are saying this is a bad thing. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Because our human nature is, we think these thoughts and we think they don't matter because they're just a thought. Amen? But our thoughts lead to actions, and our actions become sins. So it's the initial part of the conception of the thought. And one time, the, even the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, you know, about thoughts. And he told them, you're going to be judged according to every idle word that you speak or thoughts and the intents of your heart. So we've got to be careful with our thoughts as well. And negative, it isn't just that we're negatively speaking, but sometimes our negative thinking affects our surroundings. Amen? And Jesus saw this. So verse 5, For where is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise and walk? Jesus had already healed a great multitude of people. He had, he had done all kinds of miracles, and people get happy when miracles happen. They love when miracles happen. Don't you enjoy when Jesus performs a miracle in your life? Wherever you can walk out and know that Jesus has handled a situation that you couldn't handle, that it was an absolute miracle of God to take care of a situation that you're in, we should be happy in those moments. Amen? But this man that had been brought to Jesus was happy that this had happened. He was happy to be healed. But the scribes and the Pharisees and those that were sitting there in the midst, they was negative. But they was worried about why Jesus said, your sins be forgiven. They don't want anybody to do that. So because it's their way or the highway, they won't allow anything to happen. Even though the Messiah, the Son of God, is standing in front of them, they can't recognize him because of their previous uh, preconceived notions of what they thought the Messiah would look like. Same way in our life. And Jesus said, which is easier, to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, or your sins has been forgiven you. For him, it's the same either way. Both is easy. Amen? So whatever situation, whatever circumstance you're facing today, wherever you come into church today packing these burdens on your shoulders, it's the same for Jesus today. He can either say, forgive you of your sins, or he can tell you if you're sick, be healed today. Both is easy in his world. Verse 6, but but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up their bed, and go to thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. It's amazing when you do what Jesus tells you, what changes, right? Verse 8, But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So the multitudes... In our world, in our society that we are in contact with on a daily basis, they are seeking and they are looking for these miraculous works of God. They are looking for God to heal people. Amen? Amen. They are looking for those testimonies of the saints to be alive and be vibrant in your life where that Jesus is doing work on the inside of us and on the outside of us that our actions are changed. And we can tell people, it was a miracle of God that a drunk like me can pastor a church. That's good news. Amen? That's positive. And we need to spread that kind of positivity. We don't need to look at the negative. And the multitudes are looking for it. 
Because they glorified God. The scribes, sure, they were negative. Sure, they were there wondering why Jesus was able to do these things. In their mind, they thought it was illegal. But Jesus can do whatever he wants. Amen? Amen. And here, the multitude glorified God, and they were marveled by it. If Jesus would perform a miracle in your life today, would you marvel? Would you glorify God? Or would you say in your mind, he shouldn't do it that way? That's the scary part for us, that we can, in our life, inside of our mind, have this negative side to how we exist. We shouldn't be that way. I want to be positive, don't you? I would like to be a good uh, citizen. I would like to be a good pastor. I would like to be a good friend. I would like to be a good neighbor. I would be, like to be a good co-worker, wouldn't you? And positivity is what people want to be around. They don't enjoy, and some people say misery loves company, and sometimes it does. I really believe it does, because if you're around a miserable person, you'll become miserable, won't you? But what if it's your negativity that's spreading their negativity and making it worse? What if you would add some positivity in their life and see if it'll change them? Amen? It did for this sick guy, didn't it? Jesus can change our situations. So as we say that, the multitude saw it, and they were glad. They marveled and glorified God. Just this past Friday, I drove up to SOMC, and my mom's aunt is up there, and she was just diagnosed uh, this past week of, of having lung cancer. They don't know the type or none of that yet, but they, they said for sure that it is lung cancer, and, and they've let her know that they're going to try, to try to come up with a treatment plan and give her uh, the thing that uh, the right plan or the actions are going to take. And I prayed with her. And I prayed for healing. I believe we should, don't you? If God healed him, he'll heal her. We ought to believe that and trust and put our faith in Jesus Christ and just trust him. So as I was praying for her, I was just praying for healing. This past week, whenever uh, Pap went and got his uh, consult and all that, I've been praying for Pap and praying that God would lead and guide the physicians. And I trust doctors and I believe God give the doctors ability to do the things they do. I'm grateful to live in a country that has hospitals that we can go to, that we can just go in and have an emergency case and they can take care of things. There's people around the world that don't have that luxury. Go to Indonesia, go to India, go to China and some of those, Tibet, some of those uh, unspoken parts of the world that don't have the luxuries we have. We ought to be grateful for it. Amen? I, I believe in doctors. I believe that God gives doctors the ability to do the things. In Old Testament, there's a prophet one time, and the king was there, and he was sick, and they took a bomb, and they made this bomb, and they put it on a bull, and, and the next thing you know, he was healed, and he got more years of life. I believe in medicinal things. I believe it's biblical. But I also believe that there's a lot of accounts in the Bible where instantaneously that people were healed. Amen. Whether it's through a physician or through, through a miracle. Either way, I'm good with it. How about you? I'm going to think positively for it. So as these people are there, they marveled. And there's other people in our community. I know uh, Ernest Corns that has been battling cancer here of recently that was diagnosed a young guy in his 30s. That, uh, just don't make any sense. Amen? It don't make any sense to us of why that is or why uh, cancer exists. And pray for him. And pray, pray for the family. Pray for the girls, Jodan's girls and them as they're dealing with this issue. And I, I pray for them. I love them dearly. I pray for a miracle, Amen. and I pray for healing. And I will marvel and glorify God when I see those positive things happen. 
Verse 9 says, And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew. Everybody say Matthew. Sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. So Jesus just performed this miracle, had negative people trying to say you're not allowed to do it that way, had a multitude saying, Yay, glad, good for you, God. We're glad this guy got healed. They marveled. And then Jesus gets up and he goes and he it just passes from there and he, he goes by and he sees this guy named Matthew. And it's basically at the IRS office. He's a tax collector is what he is. Matthew's a tax collector. So Jesus is going by, you know, going down Greenup Avenue up there in Ashland, and he's going down through there, and he looks over and sees the federal building, and he don't look with fear. He don't look at all the negative the way we do, right? And, oh, man, them tax collectors, all that IRS agent has called me and write me letters, or, oh, that, that person that works for the FBI is coming to talk to me, or, oh, that type of person. He don't look at all the negative. He walks by, and as he walks by, he looks, and Matthew's sitting there counting coins and going through people's receipts and doing different things. I don't know what the hell they did it back then. I'm just making it up as I go here. But either way, he's a tax collector. And Jesus walks by, and he sees Matthew, and he tells him, get up and follow me. Pretty simple, right? But think of it from Matthew's perspective, sitting here in a negative world. Have you ever seen anybody that gets excited other than people that gets a check back on April 15th? The ones that has to pay in, they're not real excited about it, are they, Brandon? Brandon just done a, he just jerked right there. I don't know, he must have had to pay last year or something. Nobody gets excited about April 15th, you have to pay. I know Greg and Donna, every year about April, you can see their demeanor change here. Even during a church service, they'll come in, it's like, oh, man, it's April, and i got to do this, and do I ask for an extension, or do I, do I go ahead and figure up all my books and get it done, And because he owns his own business. And there's nobody paying your taxes for you. You're paying them for yourself then. See, most of the time as an employee, we don't have that luxury. You know, we just got an employer that pays them for us and takes it out of our check, and hopefully whatever lands, it just it is what it is. Greg has to pay them and figure them all up and count them. So if you got to write to and Teddy sitting back there, he's shaking his head. So the towing business has got to pay, right? You got to figure that up and calculate that. And nobody looks forward to that IRS agent. Nobody's like, "Man, I'm high five. Glad to see you, bro. Welcome to the neighborhood. Glory to God. I'm just glad you're here." But Jesus walking by, he don't look at the negative of that. One time Jesus went told his uh, disciple uh, Peter to go and fishing and there was going to be a coin in his mouth and go pay your taxes and my taxes. How many would like that? To go fishing and get enough money to pay your taxes for a year. That'd be awesome. Jesus didn't look at that at negative. He was positive even in a negative situation. And he looked at this guy named Matthew and said, sure you're a tax collector. Sure nobody in society likes you very much. But there's something inside of you that's positive. And if you'll follow me, you'll find it. How many of us is Jesus walking by us today? When maybe our neighbors say, well, they're a sourpuss or they're an old grouchy bag or whatever. And Jesus is walking by us and he's saying, just come follow me. I'll put some positive in your life that you need. I'll be that situation that changes circumstances that you're living in. And it said he arose and followed him. You know how much courage it takes to stand up and leave your occupation and just take off and follow some stranger that you've never met? 
Sometimes it isn't just leaving your occupation. Maybe it's just leaving your old friends. That's what it meant for me. Whenever I become a follower of Jesus, I become a Christian, I gave my life to Jesus, I had to give up some old friends that I had because they were bad influences in my life. And sure, they probably looked at it as negative. What's that, what's that no good Jesus doing? He's dragging Ben away from us. Probably the only reason I like Ben because Ben paid for their beer. Amen? You buy the beer, you have all the friends you want. If you don't believe me, go to the bar and try it. No, don't do that. I'm not telling anybody to go to the bar. Don't. They'll use you. I had a lot of friends when I was rich on payday. You get the middle of the week when all the money's gone, you'll lose all your friends pretty quick. Amen? There's enough negative in this world to drag you down. Amen. And what we need is a positive influence. And Christians are to be that positive influence. Amen? The church is to be the place that is that positive influence in the lives of your friends, your neighbor, your colleagues, your co-workers, anybody that you're around. We are to be the positive force on this planet. Jesus didn't go away and leave us here without any resources. He resourced us with the Holy Spirit and said, go make disciples of all nations, didn't he? And whenever he said go make disciples, the same way he made a disciple of Matthew, he's asking us in this room today to go make disciples, to be a positive influence in your neighbor's life, to be a positive influence in your co-worker's life. So in looking at this, I had to come up with a story, and I, I looked on the Internet and found this little story because I want to be more positive, don't you? Does anybody in here want to be more positive? I want to show hands. How many wants to be a better influence? Amen. More positive. Okay, so I, I found this little story, and it applies to some people. It might not apply to some people, but we'll figure out a way to make it work for everybody, okay? So here's the title. This is awesome. Kissing Promotes a Positive Attitude. Woo, yeah, right? You know, everybody's excited about that. Kissing Promotes a Positive Attitude. If you want to be happy, healthy, successful, and live longer, give your spouse a kiss before you go to work each day. That's the conclusion of a study conducted by a group of German physicians and psychologists in cooperation with insurance companies. So how many of those insurance companies, what, they're, what, what are they in the business to do? They will save money, don't they? They want you to pay them a big uh, uh, amount of money for insurance, and they want you not to use it, right? Because then they get to keep all the money. It's, it's in their favor for you not to use insurance. So they do studies to figure out how much do I charge this person for insurance because what's their likelihood of doing something, right? So these, they put on this study and hired these doctors, these physicians, they hired these psychologists, and they worked all together to figure out how does this work? Will a kiss save the day? Wow. Will a kiss save the day? According to Dr. Dr. Arthur, I don't know his last name, it's S-A-Z-B-O, Sasbo, I don't know, German, I can't say it, I'm not German. The study found that those who kiss their spouse each morning miss less work because of illness than those who do not. Those have also, they also have fewer accidents on the way to work. They earn 20 to 30% more monthly, and they live about five years more than those who do not even give each other a peck on the cheek. Isn't that astounding? That's craziness, right? How in the world... Fewer accidents on the way to work just by giving your spouse a kiss. It's crazy. And, and, then, and then it says, you know, that they don't miss work because of illness. I don't know, maybe because you're spreading germs and building your immune system. I don't know. Maybe that's the medical term. I don't. 
And then they earn 20 to 30% more. How much wants a 20% pay increase? 20 to 30%. You'd like to see your check go up 20 30%. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, I'm kissing Leslie every morning. I'm going to kiss her every morning the rest of my life if I get a 20 30% increase more a month than what I would without doing it. That's, that's reason enough right there alone, right? That makes it worth it. <laughs> kiss a grouch and growling bear. She's such a morning person. Everybody said, oh, we love you, Leslie. Yeah, she's such a morning person. The reason for this is because kissers begin their day with a positive attitude. A kiss signifies a sort of seal of approval. After this doctrine, his colleagues, and they believe that those who don't experience it for whatever reason, go out the door feeling not quite right about themselves. Whether you give this study any credence or not, a simple kiss every morning can do you no harm. Maybe you can expand the study and write a book. Title it, Pucker Up, Grow Rich, Feel Good, and Live Longer. <laughs> it could be a bestseller. So everybody's got a spouse in here. Reach over there and give them a little peck on the cheek. Oh, everybody reach over and give them a little peck on the cheek. Oh, that's awesome. It says love God and love people, right? We're, we're allowed to kiss in church. It's okay. Especially if we're going to live longer and get a payday increase. And it's just going to be awesome, right? We're going to kiss that much more. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 29, talk about positive and negative. Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Isn't it amazing? Wouldn't you love to take every test the rest of your life that every question that was asked of you on that test, the answer was given instantaneously? How would I, I love multiple choice anyway, don't you? Multiple choice is the best. At least I've got to pick from four things, not fill in the blank or not true or false or all that. And multiple choice, I can do pretty good at guessing through those, right? But what if it just automatically was just highlighted? It's the instant you read the question, just the correct answer would highlight. Ruby's sitting there thinking, that wouldn't be good. I'm trying to teach, and here you're trying to tell them to want uh, free answers, but it's okay, right? God is telling them this. I set before you life and death. Choose life. He's telling you you have a choice, but he's also telling you the answer. Choose life. Why would God want you to choose life? Why would he? Because that's the positive thing, right? How many, how many would rather just go ahead and die today? Just go ahead and get it over with, and you're going to go out here and be like, man, I, I'm so negative, I'm so backbiting, I'd, I'd rather just die today. We, we're not in that, right? We all, we all want the rapture to happen. We hope it's later so we can go ahead and live life, right? We, we all want to go to heaven. We just don't want to go today, right? They said if the bus would show up, we'd all be like, hey, I'll catch you next one. I'll, I'll, I'll get on the next one. It'll come through. Life and death is there. God gives it to us in an option. And this is in Deuteronomy, so, so he's writing this to Moses, the, the, uh, the spokesperson for God, to the children of Israel. And he's telling him, I'm setting before you life and death. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Isn't it amazing if you choose life, you live? That's awesome, ain't it? That's like, that's like some great theological thing. They're like, whoa, that was eye-opening, man. Thanks for saying that, Pastor. Yeah. God's saying, if you choose life, you live. Amen. How many wants to live? Amen. To have life, to have viability, to, to have some um, passion, some strength, some courage, some all these different things. How many would like to have that? That's life if we choose it. 
So it goes back, though, because this isn't the first time God's told them there's a choice. We can go all the way back into Genesis. In the very beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth, and he, out, of the, out of the form of the dust of the earth, he creates a man, and he, he creates the waters and separates the water from the sea or the land from the sea, and then he creates fish, and he creates birds, and he creates animals and all these things, and God looks around and says, this is good. He creates good stuff, don't he? God is the positive force in the universe. The enemy, the devil, is the negative. So God is doing all this good stuff, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he tells them to populate the earth, and he tells them to go out, and you've got this Garden of Eden. It's the perfect place. Absolute perfection. The entire whole Garden of Eden is entire perfection, but I'm going to sit right in the middle of it, two trees. Here's a tree. And here's a tree. So he says, I'm making two trees. One of them is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The other one is the tree of life. And he tells them, go do whatever you want in the whole garden. You're in charge of all the cows, all the dinosaurs, all the, all the Lego men, everybody. You're in charge of everything here. You have dominion over all of it. Right? But in the middle of the garden, there's a tree of life. How many knows that's the one I want to go eat from? And also, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve go along, and they don't say how long they lived in the Garden of Eden. We don't know. But they're fumbling through there one day, and Adam and Eve's walking along, and they bump into the tree, and the snake's there, and he's like whispering, eat this, this is, this is negative. You really need some negativity in your life, Eve. And he's like, oh, that sounds really great. What is it? Takes a big bite, and she hands it to her husband that's right beside of her. Everybody blames it on Eve. He was standing there. So she hands it to him. He takes of it. Next thing you know, they take off running, and automatically their eyes were opened. They were enlightened of the knowledge of good and evil. So their life wasn't total positivity anymore. Now there's negative and positive. So as they go throughout life, the next morning God shows up because on the, on the cool of the morning, the Bible said that he would show up, and he would talk with them. He would commune with them. So here's God, he's showing up in the morning. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you at? I'm, we meet here every day. Kind of like us going to McDonald's, right, and getting an apple pie and a, a coffee, right, Karen? She goes down there every morning, or she sends Ernie anyway. Go get. That's where we show up every morning. God shows up to talk to them. They ain't there. So he hollers at them, he says, Adam and Eve, where are you at? They said, we're not coming out today, God. Oh, okay, why? Well, we're naked. All right, what if everybody would just woke up this morning and nobody had any clothes? Would you have come to church? No, we wouldn't, would we? We'd be like, I think I'll hang out at the house today. I just, no clothes, I'm not, I'm not running around all over town, right? I'm going to just hang out at the house. Not, not doing that. So they're naked, they're ashamed. They're, they're, they're perplexed about this situation. God's there showing up, but now they know they're, they're, they're naked. They don't, they're not covered. And God said, well, who told you? Yeah, the snake. Yeah, I got a knowledge now that I know right from wrong. I know that I can choose death or life. So now it's my choice. I chose to have a choice. And ever since that day, from then on, God removed them from the Garden of Eden. We're no longer there. Amen. I don't know, maybe you tiptoe through the tulips every day of your life, but my life is no Garden of Eden. 
Amen. There's hell. There's all kind of perplexing situations in my life on a daily basis. It's the whole world seems like it falls apart every day. Right? Bad things happen. Why? Because we chose, we want to know it this way instead of that way. If we would choose God's way, it's always better. Amen? Matthew had a choice that day when Jesus walked by. Do I sit here and count these coins of all these people, or do I get up and follow him? It's the same way for us today. If we want to be the positive force in a negative world, we got to make a choice. I want to be positive. I want to follow God. I want to do what Jesus has called me to do. Another verse, Proverbs 18.21. We're going through them quick now. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. How many of you heard that verse quoted before? Power let Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you're going to eat the fruit of it. You know what that is? It's a choice. Because if we speak life, we're going to have life-giving fruit. If we speak death to all of our situations in life, guess what kind of fruit we're going to have? Tainted fruit, right? You don't go and eat sour, rotted stuff. Some, some people eat, uh, Greg, I think he likes bananas after they're about black or something. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm more of the middle of the road kind of guy. But we have to choose. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you, you going to say about the situation you're in? Are you going to be like the scribe and say, Jesus, you shouldn't do that? Or are you going to be like the multitude and say, glory to God, a guy got healed? It's choices we make on a daily basis. The knowledge of good and evil. I want to do what's right or wrong, and I want to know all about this, and i got to know everything that's going on, and God, I'm going to tell you everything that's the way I want it to happen, or do we just come over to the tree of life and say, God, your way is the best way, and whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Our choice is choose life, not death. Yeah. So as this happens, Deuteronomy 19, 15 says, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or sin that he commits, but the matter of the two or three witnesses let the matter be established. What situation are you in? What kind of company are you keeping? Who's your friends? Who's your clo closest acquaintances that you share life with on a daily basis? If they're negative, if all they'd ever do is gripe, complain, they're in misery in every aspect of their life, you tell your kids all the time to choose their friends wisely, don't you, Shauna? When she goes to school, you're not going to tell her. Now, where we go down there, do you know, Cadence to go to school? Don't go down there and choose a bunch of naysayer friends. Choose some good friends, right? You want the best for her life. Why do we tell our kids to do something, then we do the opposite? <coughs> Amen? Amen? Because it's easy to see when we're talking about somebody else, but what is it when we're talking about ourselves? And Jesus is doing some introspection today and causing us to say, what camp am I in? Am I leading a negative life? Or not, am I leaving a positive life? Am I creating change or radically transformed life by telling people about the good news the way Matthew did? Or am I telling all the negative and the bad and, and gossiping and complaining and griping and all this different stuff? We have to decide, do I choose life or death? The power's in our tongue. What are we saying? What are we doing? Matthew chapter 14, last thing, then we're done. Verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. 
And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Some people doubt that. They say, you know, he walked on the sea because it froze over. They got all these different uh, ideals of why. But if Jesus said he walked on the sea, and the Bible says it, I believe it. Amen? If Jesus can walk on water, I believe it. I don't have to doubt that. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out of fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. You notice those words? Be of good cheer. Be positive. Amen? Amen. And I'm not telling you just to think positive. And I'm not on this new age philosophy and all this stuff and, and whatever you... But the Bible does say whatever man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. There is something to that, but I don't believe that you can just think today, I'm not going to think, well, I'm going to end up in a millions, millionaire mansion down in Hollywood somewhere just because I'm thinking I'm going to do it. Amen. i got to allow God some authority in my life that he decides the direction and future and fate that I live. And it's not that I want negative thoughts. I don't want negative thoughts. I want positive thoughts, but I want whatever God wants. Amen. So these disciples, Jesus told them, you know, he's out there and he's on the mountain. He's feeding these 5,000 people. And next thing you know, it says Jesus went up in the mountain to pray. As he goes up in the mountain to pray, his disciples, because he told them to go to the other side, he didn't say when. So he goes to the other side. But he's up in the mountain praying. And guess what we do as normal human beings? We get ourselves ahead of God. Amen. And when you try to get ahead of God and you try to show him where you want to go and tell him where you want to go and tell him all the things you want him to do, you're going to end up like these disciples out in the middle of the sea. And one of these disciples was Matthew. You've got to think about him writing down this story in Matthew chapter 14. What he's basically saying is, I'm an idiot. If we was writing our own good news story today, we would be writing down stories about, man, one time we was out in the middle of the water, and uh, I got there on my own, and I, I got ahead of Jesus, and I went out in the middle of the sea, and, and all of a sudden he come walking up on the water, and he, he calmed the storm, and the next thing you know he got in the boat, and we went to the other side, and it was awesome. We got a lot of stories like that too. Amen? But here are these disciples, Jesus, and they're out in the middle of the sea. It's kind of crazy that Jesus asked them to follow him. He didn't say, lead me. Did he? Did he say, Matthew, get up and lead me somewhere? You're a good tax collector. I need a good leader, man. Get, get on up here. Jesus said, stand up, Matthew, and follow me. What's that look like? See, he's a follower. Wherever I'm going to go, he's going to follow me. And as I, as I travel along, journeying life and doing discipleship and training him and preaching to him and talking about things and issues in his life, he's hearing all these sermons. When we started, he was about this tall. He's now about this tall. He's growing all the time. Kind of crazy. Ryan's the same way. He, he's, he was just a little short feller back then, and now he's taller than me. He's kind of crazy. But we need disciples. So, Brandon, get up here. We need another disciple. Uh, Jillian, she's jumping for joy. She's like, how's my brother disciple? Not me. So, yeah, there's girl disciples too. Get on up. So, as I'm traveling, notice they're not leading me. I'm leading them. Jesus is the positive influence you need. And what Matthew was talking about here was he was telling a story about a positive influence in his life that one time he got ahead of him. So Jesus said, I'm going to, we're going to go across the other side. We just fed 5,000 people. That's pretty awesome, right? With a two-piece fish dinner. That's pretty cool. Good, you know. And, and go ahead and get the boat ready. I'm going to go up on the mountain and pray. So you guys go ahead and go over there. And the boat's about right there at the altar. 
and you get in it, and you, you all stand around there a little bit, and Jesus is up here praying up on the mountain. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You're great to us. Thanks for being positive. And he looks down over the hill, and there's these disciples. They're out there rolling on. You're rolling, going over towards Buddy Barrel there. So you guys row your boat. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Right? So they're out in the middle of the water. And now a big storm comes. Whoosh, lightning. And they're out there by themselves. And they're afraid. Half of them are fishermen. They grew up on this water. They knew better. But they did it anyway, Greg. How many of us... Do we know better in the situations we're in and we know what's right and we know what's wrong and we know to choose life but we choose this wrong path and we end up out in the middle of the water in a storm and all of a sudden Jesus is up there praying. What they should have done is went down and got the boat ready and come up and prayed with Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's times where you just got to get away and go up on the edge of the mountain and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm feeding 5,000 and there's all this positive that's being ex extracted from my life and I don't know if I can keep it up. And when you go to the mountain, there's more positive gets imported and then you can go back out. And when you go back down and you look for your disciples, all oh, they're gone. You don't stand there and say, oh man, they've done it again. Jesus said, I'm just going to, he didn't say, I'm just going to let them drown this time. I'll find 12 more. Amen? Jesus gets on the water and does the impossible and walks out to them. But whenever he's approaching, they're all looking at him. They say, oh, it's a ghost. They're afraid. How many times in our life when we're in trouble that we've created on our own, Jesus comes walking and we don't even know it's him. We don't even recognize him. Our Savior is coming to save us. Because of our mistake. And we don't even know it. There's so much negativity in our world. It's hard to be positive, man. John, it's hard to be positive. With Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Hulu, Netflix, everything else, it's hard to be positive, amen? It's hard to stay on the right track. But the deal is God's saying, choose life. The world needs a positive church. The world's not going to come in for us to preach at them what all they shouldn't be doing. They know what they're not supposed to be doing. It's a call to conscience. Amen? We're all born with one. We know when we sin. Nobody has to tell you when you're sinning. You know when you're sinning. You don't have to teach your kids to touch a hot stove. They touch it because they want to. Amen? You tell them don't, but they do it anyway. Why? Because we're born with this carnal nature. But God's telling us today, you can be a positive influence on others' lives if you'll choose it. Amen. There's good news if you'll listen. There's good news. There's positive people in our world. And the church should be the place where it's most, the most positive influence in anybody's life. Amen. That's why I try to keep our messages at Bethesda on a positive note. You hear enough negative out in the world all week long. You're just looking for a safe refuge somewhere to come in and say, man, I just somebody, somebody lift me up. You're coming to the mountain while Jesus was praying. You're saying, somebody just build me up a little bit encourage me. And that's what the Bible tells us in the New Testament, that we're to exhort one another. And that means to build each other up. I hope and pray when you walk out our doors from these church services that you walk out saying, man, I'm glad I went today because I feel a new charge in my life. Amen? Because Jesus is the positive influence in our life. You guys can be seated. Wasn't they a great group of disciples? Let's give them a big hand.
Let's all stand. Just a simple kiss in the morning calls you a 20% increase in pay because you'd have to live four to five, six more years with that grouchy wife. Oh, my. Cause you not to be sick and you have to give up your sick days. See, we can find, we can find all kinds of positive in everything, right? But God, they give me them sick days. I want to use them. Think how crazy that sounds to God. So you're asking to be sick because you don't want to give up a free day? I'm giving you health. So crazy, isn't it? I want everybody here to bow their head and close their eyes. Nobody looking around. Nobody worrying about what your neighbor's thinking. This is between you and God. I want to ask you a very simple question. Is there anybody here to say, Pastor Ben, this is for me today. And I know that I've got some negative vibes. And I know sometimes I bring people down because of my carnal nature. But today in this place, God has shown me I need to be more positive. And he's shown me that the only way I'll ever receive that is if I ask him for it. I'm going to the mountain and today's my day. I need more positive. Is there anybody here to lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Amen. There's hands all over the room. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Jesus and what he did on the cross brought positive to a negative world. And that's good news. That is good news. I want everybody in this place to pray with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, and for my negative nature. Help me to be more positive. Help me to be the influence that you've called me to be to my neighbors, to my coworkers, to my friends. In Jesus' name, amen.